Volume One, Chapter Eighteen of *The Widow Barnaby* by Francis Milton Trollope. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eighteen, Conditions of an Agreement between Mrs. Peters and her Daughters. Mrs. Barnaby begins her fashionable career under the protection of Miss Elizabeth. She rehearses a ball in her heart as she examines the room, the library mrs barnaby was quite right in thinking that the peters family would be very useful acquaintance for prodigiously as mrs peters disliked her sister-in-law she no sooner ceased to be galled by her unwelcome presence in her house than she recovered her good humour and felt as much aware as any reasonable person could desire of the claim her brother's widow really had upon her and her family these excellent dispositions were assiduously fostered by her daughters to whose wishes she never turned a deaf ear she found the eldest and the youngest very seriously interested in agnes and earnest in her desire to see more of her while elizabeth persevered in her belief that poor mrs barnaby was one of the very best-hearted women in the world and very much to be pitied because nobody seemed to like her though she did mean to divide her fortune so generously amongst them i hope mamma said the eldest miss peters when the ladies of the family were sitting round the drawing-room fire after dinner i hope that you will overcome your terror of mrs barnaby and her rouge sufficiently before tuesday night to permit her joining our party in the ballroom for i would not forsake that sweet agnes upon such an occasion for more than i will say why i do feel my spirits revive mary considerably since i have felt quite certain that none of my dear sister's amiable feelings were likely to involve me in the necessity of enduring her presence in my house for evermore you may fancy you exaggerate perhaps when you talk of my terrors but no such thing believe me it was terror she inspired and nothing short of it and agnes mamma what did she inspire said mary pity and admiration replied her mother very well then returned the petted girl kissing her we shall not quarrel this time but i was half afraid of it it would in truth have been very foolish and very unlike you mamma who understand the sort of thing better than most people i believe if we had lost the great pleasure of being kind to miss willoughby and behaved extremely ill to uncle barnaby's widow into the bargain solely because you don't like tall massive ladies with large black eyes who wear rouge and talk fine for you must confess if you will be quite honest and speak the truth that mrs peters is rather too well established a person at clifton to fear losing caste by being seen with a mrs barnaby even had the association not been redeemed by the matchless elegance of her beautiful niece did any one ever hear a mamma better scolded said mrs peters turning to the younger girls mary is quite right mamma said lucy depend on it we should have broken into open rebellion had you severed in threatening to cut the barnaby connection indeed i must say added elizabeth that i have thought you very severe upon our poor aunt mamma think of her kindness our aunt sighed mrs peters is it absolutely necessary beloved that she should be addressed in public by that tender title not absolutely perhaps replied mary laughing and i dare say elizabeth will make a bargain with you mamma never to call her aunt again provided you promise never to forget that she is our aunt though we may not call her so and what must i do young ladies to prove my eternal recollection of this agreeable fact you must be very civil to agnes and let them both join our party at tea and at all the balls and never object to our calling upon the barnaby for the sake of getting at the willoughby and now don't start and turn restive mamma you must ask them whenever we have an evening party here with young people that might be likely to give agnes pleasure 
and must i embrace mrs barnaby every time she comes into my presence and every time she leaves it no unless you have done something so very outrageously rude before as to render such a penitentiary amende necessary come here mary said the gay mother and let me box your ears immediately the young lady placed herself very obediently on the footstool at mrs peter's feet who having patted each pretty cheek said now tell me mary if you can what is it that has thus fascinated your affections hoodwinked your judgment perverted your taste and extinguished your pride if you will let me turn your questions my own way mother replied the daughter i will answer them all my affection is fascinated or i would rather say won by the most remarkable combination of beauty grace talent gentleness and utter unconsciousness of it all that it has ever been my hap to meet with and instead of being hoodwinked my judgment my power of judging seem newly roused and awakened by having so very fine a subject on which to exercise themselves i never before felt as i did when listening to agnes as she innocently answered my prying questions concerning her past life the enormous difference there might be between one human mind and another it was like opening the pages of some holy book and learning thence what truth innocence and sweet temper could make of us if admiring the uncommon loveliness of this sweet girl with something of the enthusiasm with which one contemplates a choice picture by perversion of taste i plead guilty for it is with difficulty that i keep my eyes away from her and for my pride mamma if any feeling of the kind ever so poisoned my heart as to make me turn from what was good in the fear that it might lead me into contact with what was ungenteel be thankful with me that this sweet light from heaven has crossed my path and enabled me to see the error of my ways mary spoke with great animation and her mother listened to her till tears dimmed her laughing blue eyes you are not a missish miss mary that is certain said she kissing her and assuredly i thank heaven for that this pretty creature does indeed seem by your account to be a pearl of price but par malheur she has got into the shell of the very vilest great big coarse hateful oyster that ever was fished up fear nothing more however from me you are dear good girls for feeling as you do about this pretty agnes and i give you carte blanche to do what you will with her and for her the consequence of this was an early call made on the following morning at mrs barnaby's lodgings by the three mrs peters there were not many subjects on which the aunt and niece thought or felt in common but it would be difficult to say which of the two was most pleased when their visitors were announced we are come that is lucy and i to make you take a prodigious long walk with us agnes said miss peters and elizabeth who is not quite so stout a pedestrian as we are is come with us to offer her services to you mrs barnaby for a home circuit if you like to make one and pray do not forget that tuesday is the ball night and that we shall expect you to go and join our party in the room dearest mary dearest elizabeth dearest lucy how good of you all agnes put on your bonnet my dear instantly and never forget the kindness of these dear girls i shall indeed be thankful to you elizabeth if you will put me in the way of getting a few trifles that will be necessary for tuesday are your balls large are there plenty of gentlemen etc etc and where was agnes's heavy sense of sadness now the birds whose cheerful songs seemed to call her out were not more light of heart than herself as she followed her friends down the stairs and sprung through the door to meet the fresh breeze from the down with a foot almost as elastic as their own glad wings 
we must leave the young ladies to pursue their way being joined at no great distance from the door by james peters through a long and delightful ramble that took them along the wall that forms the garde-fou to the most beautiful point of Durdham down and so on amidst fields and villas that appeared to agnes like so many palaces in fairyland and while thus they charm away the morning we must follow mrs barnaby and the good-natured elizabeth through their much more important progress among the fashionable resorts of the clifton beau monde and about tickets my dear elizabeth said the widow as she offered her substantial arm to her slight companion what is it the fashion to do to subscribe for the season or pay at the door you may do either mrs barnaby but if you wish your arrival to be known i believe you had better put your name on the book you are quite right my dear where is the place to do this cannot you take me at once yes i could take you certainly for it is almost close by but perhaps papa had better save you the trouble mrs barnaby by no means my dear his time is more valuable than mine let us go at once i shall like it best elizabeth though a little frightened led the way and as mrs barnaby entered the establishment that at its very threshold seemed to her redolent of wax lights fiddles and fine clothes such a delightful flutter of spirits came upon her as drove from her memory the last fifteen or sixteen years of her life and made her feel as if she were still one of the lightest and loveliest nymphs in the world she insisted upon seeing the ballroom and paced up and down its ample extent with a step that seemed with difficulty restrained from dancing she examined the arrangement for the music looked up with exultation at the chandeliers and triumphed in anticipation at their favourable influence upon rouge eyes feathers and flowers had there been any other man present beside the waiter she would hardly have restrained her desire to make a tour de waltz and as it was she could not help turning to the quiet young man and saying with a condescending smile the company must look very well in this room sir as they passed in their way out through the room in which the subscription books were kept they met a gentleman whose apparent age wavered between thirty-five and forty tall stout gaily dressed fully moustached and with an eye that looked as if accustomed to active service in reconnoitring all things he took off his hat and bowed profoundly to miss peters bestowing at the same time a very satisfactory stare on the widow who is that my dear said the well-pleased lady that is major allen replied elizabeth upon my word he is a very fine fashionable-looking man is he intimate with your family oh no we only know him from meeting him sometimes at parties and always at the balls is he a man of fortune i am sure i don't know he has got a smart horse and groom and goes a great deal into company then of course he cannot be a poor man my dear is he a dancer no i believe he always plays cards and where shall we go now dearest i want you to take me elizabeth to all the smartest shops you know some of the best shops are at bristol but we have a very good milliner here then let us go there my dear and did not your mamma say something about a library yes there's a library and almost everybody goes there almost every morning then there of course i shall go i consider it as so completely a duty my dear elizabeth to do all these sort of things for the sake of my niece my fortune is a very good one and the doing as other people of fortune do must be an advantage to poor dear agnes as long as she is with me but i don't scruple to say to you my dear that the fortune i received from your dear uncle will return to his family in case i die without children and a truly widowed heart my dear girl does not easily match itself again 
but the more you know of me elizabeth the more you will find that i have many notions peculiar to myself many people if they were mistress of my fortune would spend three times as much as i do but i always say to myself poor dear mr barnaby though he loved me better than anything else on earth loved his own dear sister and her children next best and therefore as he left all to me and a very fine fortune he made i assure you i hold myself in duty bound as i spend a great deal of money with one hand upon my own niece to save a great deal with the other for his i am sure you seem to be very kind and good to everybody replied the grateful young lady that is what i would wish to be my dear for it is only so that we can do our duty not that i would ever pledge myself never to marry again my dear elizabeth i don't at all approve people making promises that it may be the will of heaven they should break afterwards and those people are not the most likely to keep a resolution who vow and swear about it but i hope you will never think me stingy my dear nor let anybody else think me so for not spending above a third of my income or perhaps not quite so much for now you know my motives you must feel that it would be very ungenerous particularly in your family to blame me for it it would indeed mrs barnaby and it is what i am sure that i for one should never think of doing but this is the milliner's shall we go in oh yes a very pretty shop indeed quite in good style what a sweet turban if it was not for the reasons that i tell you i should certainly be tempted elizabeth pray ma'am what is the price of this scarlet turban four guineas and a half ma'am with the bird and two guineas without it it is a perfect gem pray ma'am do you ever make up ladies own materials no ma'am never replied the decisive artiste do you never fasten in feathers i should not mind paying for it as i see your style is quite first-rate for our customers ma'am and whenever the feathers or the coiffure have been furnished in the first instance by ourselves you are a customer elizabeth are you not mamma is replied the young lady you know mrs peters of rodney place mrs duval oh yes i beg your pardon miss peters is this lady a friend of yours mrs peters is my sister-in-law mrs duval and i hope that will induce you to treat me as if i had already been a customer i should like to have some feathers that i mean to wear at the ball on tuesday fastened into my toque like this and this blue one here will you do this for me yes ma'am certainly if you will favour us with your name on our books that's very obliging and i will send my own maid with it as soon as i get home is there anything else i can have the pleasure of showing you ladies i want some long white gloves if you please and something light and elegant in the way of a scarf the modiste was instantly on the alert and the counter became as a sea of many coloured waves coloured scarves are sometimes worn in slight mourning i believe are they not oh yes ma'am always what do you say to this one elizabeth said the widow selecting one of the brilliant geranium tint for yourself mrs barnaby yes my dear my dress will be black satin you know i should think white would look better said elizabeth recollecting her mother's aversion to fine colours and recollecting also the recent weeds of her widowed aunt well perhaps it might let me see some white if you please perhaps you would like blonde ma'am said the milliner opening a box and displaying some tempting specimens beautiful indeed very what is the price of this one a mere trifle ma'am give me leave to begin your account with this 
well i really think i must i know they clean as good as new what is agnes to wear inquired elizabeth there is one of my troubles dear she will wear nothing but the deepest mourning between you and me elizabeth i suspect it is some feeling about her poor mother or else for her father who has never been heard of for years but whom we all suppose to have died abroad i suspect it is some feeling of this sort that makes her so very obstinate about it but she can't bear to have it talked of so don't say a word to her on the subject or she will be out of sorts for a week and will think it very cruel of me to have named it to you i perfectly dote upon that girl elizabeth though to be sure i have my trials with her but we have all our trials elizabeth and thank heaven i have a happy temper and bear mine i believe as well as most people but about that strange whim that agnes has of always wearing crape and bombasine you may as well just mention it to your mamma and sisters to prevent their taking any notice of it to her for if they did you may depend upon it she would not go to the ball at all oh you have no idea of the obstinacy of that darling girl these gloves will do at last i think your gloves are all so remarkably small mrs duval and that's all for this morning where shall i send them ma'am and to what name to mrs barnaby number one scion row thank you ma'am they shall be sent immediately now then elizabeth for the library said the widow with an expressive flourish of the hand and to the library they went which to mrs barnaby's great satisfaction was full of smart people and amongst others she had to make her way past the moustached major allen in order to reach the table on which the subscription book was laid i beg your pardon madam a thousand times said the major i am afraid i trod on your foot don't mention it it is of no consequence in the world the shop is so full it is almost impossible to avoid it the major in return for this civil speech again fixed his broad wide open eyes upon the widow and she had again the satisfaction of believing that he thought her particularly handsome miss peters found many of her acquaintance among the crowd with whom she conversed while mrs barnaby seated herself at the table and turned over page after page of autographs with the air of a person deeply interested by the hope of finding the names of friends and acquaintance among them whereas it would have been a circumstance little short of a miracle had she found there that of any individual whom she had ever seen in her life but she performed her part admirably smiling from time to time as if delighted at an unexpected recognition meanwhile many an eye as she well knew was fixed upon her for her appearance was in truth sufficiently striking she was tall considerably above the average height and large though not too corpulency in short her figure was what many people like mr peters would call that of a fine woman and many others like mrs peters would declare to be large ungainly and vulgar her feature was decidedly handsome her eyes and teeth fine and her nose high and well formed but all this was exaggerated into great coarseness by the quantity of rouge she wore and the redundance of harsh-looking coal-black ringlets which depended heavily down each side of her large face so as still to give a striking resemblance as agnes it may be remembered discovered several years before to the wax heads in a hairdresser's shop this sort of face and figure which were of themselves likely enough to draw attention were rendered still more conspicuous by her dress which though like herself really handsome was rendered unpleasing by its glaring purpose of producing effect a bonnet of bright lavender satin extravagantly large and fearfully thrown back displayed a vast quantity of blonde quilling fully planted with flowers of every hue 
while a prodigious plume of drooping feathers toss themselves to and fro with every motion of her head and occasionally repose themselves on her shoulder her dress was of black silk but ingeniously relieved by the introduction of as many settings off of the same colour with her bonnet as it was well possible to contrive so that although in mourning her general appearance was exceedingly showy and gay who is your friend elizabeth said a young lady who seemed to have the privilege of questioning freely it is mrs barnaby replied miss peters in a whisper and who is mrs barnaby my dear she has quite the air of a personage she is the widow of mamma's brother mr barnaby of silverton silverton that's the name of her place is it she is a lady of large fortune i presume yes she is miss maddox replied elizabeth somewhat scandalized by the freedom of these inquiries but i really wish you would not speak so loud for she must hear you oh no you see she is very busy looking for her friends good morning major said the same fair lady turning to major allen who stood close beside her listening to all her inquiries and to the answers they received are we to have a good ball on tuesday if all the world can be made to know that miss maddox will be there all the world will assuredly be there to meet her replied the gentleman then i commission you to spread the tidings far and near i wonder if there will be many strangers some of the stephenson and hubert party i hear that is colonel hubert and young frederick stephenson they are the only ones left the bridal party set off from the mall this morning at eleven o'clock lady stephenson looked more beautiful than ever lady stephenson oh emily hubert yes she is very handsome and her brother is vastly like her do you think so he is so thin and weather-beaten so very like an old soldier i don't like him the worse for that replied the lady he looks as if he had seen service and were the better for it he is decidedly the handsomest man at clifton the major smiled and turned on his heel which brought him exactly vis-a-vis to miss elizabeth peters your party mean to honour the ball on tuesday i hope miss peters i believe so major allen it is seldom that we are not some of us there shall you bring us the accession of any strangers inquired the major mrs barnaby and her niece will be with us i think i flatter myself that altogether we shall muster strong good morning and with another sidelong glance at the widow major allen walked out of the shop not a word of all this had been lost upon mrs barnaby she had thought from the very first that elizabeth peters must be selected as her particular friend and now she was convinced that she would be invaluable in that capacity it was quite impossible that any one could have answered better to questions than she had done it was impossible too that anything could be more fascinating than the general appearance of major allen and if upon farther inquiry it should prove that he was indeed as he appeared to be a man of passion and fortune the whole world could not offer her a lover she should so passionately desire to captivate such were the meditations of mrs barnaby as she somewhat pensively sat at her drawing-room window awaiting the return of agnes to dinner on that day and such were very frequently her meditations afterwards end of chapter eighteen end of volume one recorded by celine major